Hi, my name is Peter Huguenin of the Council Bluffs Non-Parel. I'm with Nick Carinanti of the Knicks Wall, and this is Dunkin' Donuts, a Boise State basketball podcast. And Nick, it is a great day to be a Bronco. And fantastic, as these Utah fans would say. 11 straight wins. We just beat Utah State tonight. We're recording on Thursday night. Yeah, can, can we give a little background here? Because it's been a long journey for all Boise State fans and for the team. We were we talked about recording um, after the Fresno State win a couple weeks ago now. And we decided to hold off because we had a couple big games coming up and we would wait till the weekend when we played at Wyoming. Of course, that Wyoming game never, never came to fruition. And then we took two weeks off. And we're just now getting back to it. So, Yeah, I mean... It's just been a crazy roller coaster of and yeah, eleven straight wins. The longest win streak since twenty fourteen, right? Yeah. Which is the year that we, the last year that we made the tournament. Made the tournament in air quotes there with the first four. Yeah. Um, however you want to put it, we're we were uh, one of the sixty eight teams that uh was selected. But this is, I have so many just thoughts, emotions, I just don't really know even where to start. Let's just start with the game. Obviously, just a crazy game. We were down 10 at one point, came back. Uh, I don't know, what, what was our largest lead even? I, sh- I should pull the game up. I'm so excited I forgot how to podcast, Nick. I don't even have the game pulled up for ESPN. I don't know stats or anything. You take it. I've got the stats up, but, like, uh, I don't know, man. Let's just start with a quote from the illustrious Dion Waiters. I'd rather go 0 for 30 than 0 for 9, because if you go 0 for 9, that means you stopped shooting. That means you lost confidence. (laughs) I mean, I love that. That's a great quote. That legendary quote goes out to Marcus Shavers Jr. tonight. Uh, I I was texting with my father the whole game, as I often do. And I think one of the main things we talked about was how much the offense struggled because Shavers struggled. And we've talked on the air before, but we do have a lot of isolation players in the win streak really since the, the Degenhart for Dutrieff uh, switch, the ball has moved a lot more, but we still don't have a, a really consistent offensive creator. Um, Acott's a great shooter and probably our best facilitator, but not a, a great uh, shot creator, not a great uh, kind of playmaker to start the offense. And with Shaver being over 10 up until that shot, the offense was just so stagnant. But, hey, he, I, I can't say anything about it. Who cares? It went in. Shot, like, the, the fact that he took that, just the ballsiest shot, man, what, what confidence on that guy. And I've said it during this run. I said it early on you know, after the Washington State game, Fresno State game. Like those are games we historically lost. Even this year, we lost games like that early in the year, like the St. Louis game. We're 
winning those games now with late late game I don't know if you would say late game heroics, but late game definitely late game success. That, and this game was similar with a six oh run to, to take the lead late in the game. Uh, and then obviously we hit the two threes with, with Acot and Shaver. But those are the two linchpins for all of our late game successes. And Marcus Shaver is almost always the guy that when another team goes on a run or another team uh, is hot or takes the lead or whatever, it is Marcus Shaver that takes the shot and typically Marcus Shaver that makes the shot to keep us alive. So he just did it on the, the biggest moment of the season for us. And we'll get into the, the more long-term implications and the, the bracketology of it all. But what a huge win. This was a, a legit, legit win on the road. Uh, One-point underdogs in Logan. is an absolute dogfight against maybe the least likable team in the NCAA with the worst commentary of all time. Oh, my gosh. Calls right now, I would assume. Uh, that was – yeah, We I, I, I could rant about the officiating for days. Uh, before we get too deep in the pod, we have to mention the player of the game. By far, was Malden Armus. Twenty-two points. It literally looked like when, like, I used to play basketball with my dad, and like he would just like grab the ball and get like eight offensive rebounds, like in a span of thirty seconds. That's what he looked like. Yeah, a man among boys out there. Uh, finished with 22 and 19. It's a shame he didn't hit that benchmark 2020. I also want to say, shot just horrendously from the line was two of 10. That's eight points he left on the board. We're looking at if he could have shot free throws. We're looking at it, you know, close to a 30 point game realistically. And it would have been a much easier win if that was the case. Um, but can't take anything away from him. Best player on the court tonight by a country mile. Uh, Single handedly kept us in it. 20, your 19 rebounds is insane. On the offensive glass, just absolutely destroyed Justin Bean's bum self. And I mean, he had 10 offensive rebounds. Utah State had 8 offensive rebounds as a team. That's the game right there. Yeah. And they were all just like, if you watched it, they were... It was violent. That is the word I'm going to use to describe it. It was just violent. Uh, I think that the highlight of the game for me, and we were texting when it happened, uh, he just was on an absolute tear, which was really the whole game. But he got an offensive rebound, and two Utah State players fell down just in his wake. And they were Utah State player was holding his head after the play, and the commentary was complaining about Armish throwing elbows and elbowing him in the head. When then you see the replay, and the guy just, like, bumped into him and fell down and then got kneed by his own teammate. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it was just so, uh, so fun to watch him have a game like that. Easily, not even close, the best game of his career. And if he's going to start doing that, I mean, I'm not saying he can do that every game, but if he is even close to that, holy cow. We've never had a post presence like that. Um, 
let's uh i mean any other uh i mean oh key jab key jab seven of 14 15 points nine rebounds really efficient uh acot had 11 points on four or 12 shooting hit three three pointers the bench struggled max rice can uh, go kick rocks uh, we'll talk about Max Rice. I'm too positive right now to get into Max Rice. I want to keep talking about this win because we shot from the field or from the from deep. We were five of twenty, and really that was three of eighteen until the last thirty seconds of the game. Yeah. Um, if you told me we would ever win a game like that, I wouldn't believe you. Oh, and that, we've we, talked a ton about that, how this team is just the opposite of every Boise State team I've ever seen. The only thing that this Boise State team has similar with any team of the past is bad free throw shooting. Everything else is a completely dynamic, like a different dynamic. Completely changed the DNA. It's, um... And I think we've talked a little bit how if you're not a Boise State fan... It's probably not the most enjoyable games to watch. I think this was an exception. I think this was a fun basketball game regardless of... I think a college basketball fan in general could have turned this game on and had fun. Uh, but that hasn't been the case. John Rothstein was certainly enjoying it. Yeah. But that hasn't been the case for most Boise State games. Most Boise State games, if you don't have a team you're cheering for, have been sluggish and not fun to watch. But... If you're a Boise State fan, they this 11-game win streak has been the most fun that you've had in years. So, Yeah, we're starting to get uh, a little bit of buzz. Not necessarily mainstream national attention, but a little bit of buzz, I would say. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, I mean, this win is astronomically huge. And we almost, if we weren't too excited about the win we almost could have held off a day to see what the bracketologists are going to be saying tomorrow i think we're going to see i think this one's going to be a needle mover i think um i think i overreacted earlier in the year when i said that we wouldn't touch the bubble i uh i i'm gonna have to eat some crow on that because i said that we could win out and not see the bubble and now we are in january and we are a legitimate bubble team yeah, I mean, we may have to start upping the, the frequency of the pod just for bubble checks because we're looking every game, every day at, at where the bracketologists are uh, putting us and who's winning and losing on the bubble and, and where we are. And ultimately, we are at a place where we control our own destiny. I don't know. Do you want to get into the, the, the long-term uh, kind of ramifications with postseason right now or do you want to keep talking about this game first um yeah let's get into the postseason i mean you know that i'm a huge fan of bracketology and i'm a brackets in general i love brackets but bracketology is something i really enjoy this i guess long season ramifications are like you said we control our own destiny and something that is starting to trend upward is the mountain west conference as a whole i've I'm seeing a lot of people really, and I mean big names, big media members saying like, hey, the Mountain West is a three, four bid conference this year. That 
hasn't been true since I can't remember the last time. My, my freshman year, 2012, West had five teams, including us, as, as a first four team. That was the LaSalle. Was, yeah, that was LaSalle. Uh, and that was the Mountain West with the best RPI in the country as a conference. And then a, a pretty piss-poor uh, postseason performance where I'm pretty sure the only uh, Mountain West team to win a game in the tournament that year was a two-seed New Mexico team that lost in the 7-10 matchup. All right. So went, went like one and five in, in that pro season and well, hasn't really gotten a ton of respect since. But this this conference is good, and we talked early on about it being you know, pretty strong throughout the out-of-conference portion and to the point where we didn't have any teams with losing records. We talked about the idea of rooting for the, the upper echelon of, upper echelon of uh Mountain West to help strength of schedule. We're at that point. It is a, a travesty that we did not get to play an undefeated uh, Colorado State team that lost by a thousand to San Diego State. Yeah. In, in the game that was replaced after our COVID pause. But San Diego State is really, really good. Yeah. And uh, being the team that beat the Colorado State's the next best thing. Right. So. That would be a huge win in San Diego. If we beat San Diego to stay in San Diego to cap off a 12-game win streak, we're forget being on the bubble. I think that's going to put us in the eyes of bracketologists as a legit, you know, 10 seed, 9, 10 seed. Yeah. Tournament was and I, for the time being. And I mean, you don't want to look too far ahead, but I mean, after that, we have Wyoming, who's also undefeated in conference in 14 and two. This is the first year where you like you legitimately look. You're like that would be a big re- resume builder. That would be a big resume builder. And I mean, we are now that team. We today we became a quad one team. So I saw a Saint Bonaventure. Uh, I don't know if he was a fan or a media member, but he's like, I didn't think uh, Boise State would be a quad one win when we were in Charleston. That's huge. Yeah. If you look at this season, it's. it's- it's going to be hard not to get, too annoyed, to get annoyed at some of the stupid losses, St. Louis, the UC teams. But ultimately, that was a different team. And you got to look at, at the current. What, what have you done for me lately? And, and since Tyson Degenhardt, who did not even play particularly well, uh, got added to this rotation and the starting lineup, this has been a, a, a really legitimate basketball team with elite defense that is going to keep us in games when we are hitting one or two threes in the entire first 18 minutes of the game. Uh, this defense is really good. If you look at this game, and I do want to go back to it because I do have a couple more takes, but the game really opened up in the start of the second half for us. And that was because of our defense just was just stifling. Like they, they had seven points in the first eight minutes of the second half. We, we struggled offensively in both halves. We were losing, you know, in that sort of purgatory 6-12 to 12 range the whole first half. And we just came out 
in the second half, and they did not know what to do. They could not complete passes. We got turnovers. The turnovers leading to offense is something that has really been a, a crucial part of of this team's win streak. So very, very impressive. I do want to talk a little bit about some of the downside. Uh, before you bring up downside, I have one note on the defense. Uh, Boise State ranked 14th in adjusted defensive efficiency by Ken Palm. That's above Houston, Gonzaga, Texas, Kentucky, and UCLA. Yeah, this team is legit defensively. And we don't need to just wax poetically about Nick Duncan all the time, which is, I feel like, all I ever do. But the Nick Duncan-era teams were were high-octane offenses that that could shoot threes and very little else. And if the threes weren't falling, you were done. And if you played a, a team like San Diego State, who we play twice a year, with length and athleticism, the shots just couldn't get off. And we almost always struggled offensively. This is such a different style of team. You do feel like this is a more sustainable model and a team that can compete with anybody because of that defense. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, let's hit on some of the negatives. Let's hit on some of the downside. Do you want to start with the downsides of the game? Get. Yeah, why is Max Rice? I, I. Why is Max I, Rice why, playing basketball? Why is Max Rice playing twenty eight minutes? Why is Max Rice have a roster spot of a scholarship playing the game of basketball? Um, not in a fraternity somewhere doing jello shots. I don't know. Uh, seems like a nice enough guy he's well respected and spoken of highly by the media and that's great uh he's not good and that's not his fault i don't know what happened i don't know maybe he has the yips maybe he just hit a slump something changed in his shot coming back from the injury last year i don't know but he is a shooter that not only can't shoot but really won't shoot and he does not shoot open threes from the perimeter anymore. He's scared to he shoot. One, he took one tonight. Is He's shooting 17% from the field. 17% from the field. He's averaging 1.8 points a game, 2.5 rebounds a game, and 0.9 assists. And averaging 17.1% shooting percentage from the field. It's just... Yeah, he's a detriment to the team when he's out there. He's a complete liability. He got burned quite a few times on defense. Um, this can't be true that this can't be true that his three point percentage is four percent, right? I mean, I, has he's only hit one this year, right? Four percent from from beyond the arc there for for our for three point specialist Max Rice. Yeah. If you're going to put up those numbers, which, again, are abysmal non-offensive numbers, you need to be Matisse Thibel on defense. I mean, if you're a defensive specialist who can lock down anyone you guard, you still would struggle to, to close the game on a good team shooting 17% from the field. Yeah. He is a average to subpar athlete, a bad defender, and he's doing that on – Offense. He works really hard. He makes some defensive plays. He gets after loose balls and he rebounds and he gives his his best effort out there. It's not enough. It isn't. When you're a team that's 
on the bubble, and you're going to be in close games every single game almost. He's a player that you just can't afford to put out there. Especially when you have players like Najee Smith that are, I mean, I guess he's different, but get Najee Smith more minutes. Najee only had two points tonight. Uh, it wasn't some foul trouble. But Najee also arguably two of the bigger points of the game off a, a putback, which was an end he missed the free throw, but huge momentum swing, swinging bucket for, for yeah. Najee. And that's my guy. I, I love Najee. I love him all year. Um, the problem is this is a seven-man rotation. If you look at our, our rotation tonight, the starters all played 30-plus minutes, except Kijab played 29. Max Rice is playing 25 off the bench. Najee played 13, and then Milner and Pryor got two minutes piece. Not much to work with there. And every game is sort of that that sort of yeah. structure. The Nevada game was the same thing. Milner got five minutes. Rice 21. Najee 19. The the New Mexico game prior to that similar to to that. Three minutes for Milner prior. 23 for Rice and a little more for Smith who went who played really well that game. And that we're at 27 minutes, but. Smith and Rice are really the only bench players that can contribute. And Max Rice doesn't contribute. So we're really a six-man team. Yeah, and, and some really good cardio from Max Rice out there. Who works hard and runs and wins sprints down both ends. Yeah. Um, other uh, thing is we are still an abysmal free-row shooting team. Just abysmal. We went 5 of 15. Utah State made 15. Granted, I mean, that some of that's officiating, but regardless. Yes, the officiating, which was so clearly uh, biased towards Boise State, if you listen to the, the broadcast from the Utah State commentary on Mount West Network today. But I just, it, it, this is, this will come back to bite us in a big game. So there really, there are three things that cost us this game that we ended up winning because of some some really big time shot making. But if you look at it, the free throw shooting is going to going to going to kill us. The lack of death, lack of death will hurt us. Foul trouble is basically non negotiable at this point. If we have guys getting foul trouble, what do we do? We don't have a bench. Yeah, look, and I mean that almost happened. Dagan Hart had four fouls. Smith had four fouls. Who are we? Who are we gonna bring? Uh, Milner's uh, gonna step in. Last week, Shaver was in foul trouble, and then Max Rice played like the whole game. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens against San Diego State. San Diego State is the one team in the Mountain West that's ranked above us in defense. That is going to be a physical game. Yeah, and not to mention, like, just a season is going to be long. Like, we these players are going to get tired playing 30-plus minutes a game. Yeah, it was the, the Air Force game, which was uh, our most recent game before this one. 
which was much, much, much closer than it should have been. And Max Rice played 30 with Najee Smith playing 24 off the bench. Shaver only played 23, and Armish only played 22 because of foul trouble for, for Shaver. Yeah. So that's just – it's asking a lot of these guys, foul trouble, injury, these things all happen. Um, we've gotten a little a little lucky during a, a win streak as, as it requires, and that is something that is going to come run out at some point. The lack of depth is going to kill us. The free throws will catch up to us. And then we just – we have too many guys – that are, are inconsistent. I I love Marcus Shaver. Marcus Shaver can, can do whatever he wants right now. I, I can't say a negative word about him. But shooting one of 11 from deep is – he's really important. Akot, again, Akot hit a really big shot tonight, hit a couple from three that were really, really, really important. Hit the one in the second half during the run and then hit the one late to, to tie it. But he shot four of 12. And it's going to be really hard to beat really good teams when – when we're shooting with those sort of shoot, those sort of shooting performances from the field, and we saw now that we shot, we shot forty percent today because we shot sixty-five field goals because Maladin Armish was just an absolute beast on on the offensive glass and had fifteen or sixteen field goal attempts himself. Yeah, and I mean we saw the uh, inconsistency of Dagenhart today. Dagenhart's been one of our best offensive performers this year. And because of foul trouble, he only finished with six points. He got two field goals, put up five shots. I mean, if someone else is in, if uh, Key Jab has an off night tonight, along with Dagenhart, we lose. So we are rec- like relying on at least four of our five starters to be on every single night. Yeah, I mean, the one good thing about it is that we talked about this early on with like having this shared best player idea where it can be Armish was the best player on the court tonight by far uh we're gonna have a different best player air quotes there night in night out some nights it'll be it'll be Kijab. it was Tyson Degenhart against Air Force last week it was in Saturday's game against New Mexico. We got a great Shaver performance. Najee Smith was really good. Not that he's ever going to be our best player, but those sort of things. The Nevada game, when we came back from our uh, our hiatus, you had 28 from Shaver and 23 from ACOT. That was, you know, they had 50 combined. Like, we do have a lot of contributors, but we have a lot of guys that on their games, their off nights are really off. And especially when it's Shaver and especially when it's ACOT, which was tonight's uh, sort of performance. Yeah. The offense just goes blank. And like you said, defense is good enough that it will – Give us a chance, but eventually, this isn't. I mean, I just feel like this isn't sustainable, and eventually, like a team will take advantage of this. That being said, this might be a form that 
we can still win 20-something games and make the tournament. Um, as of right now, Ken Palm has us finishing 21-8. and eight, Which is probably, I, I would hope, good enough to make the tournament. Ken Palm has us losing to San Diego State on Saturday, 62-57. to I don't know. You want to you jump into that game a little bit? Kind of preview that a little bit? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's going to be a huge... It feels monumental. Um, it's probably a game that Boise State can theoretically afford to lose, but a win is one of the biggest wins in the past five, six years. Um, San Diego State is kind of very similar to Boise State in a lot of ways. They always have been, or not always has, like, they've always had what Boise State is this year. Lots of length, lots of, lots of athleticism. Um, they are very good defensively. That has kind of just been their mantra. Honestly, looking at, like, everything, they're very similar to Boise State in a lot of ways. They're number six on defense, we're number... 14. They're 132nd in offense. We're 137th. Uh, they're also a really bad three throw shooting team. Free throw shooting team. Um, they shoot better from three point than we do. Uh, we shoot better from inside the arc. Their best player is Matt Bradley, who is going to be infuriating. What do, What are your thoughts on the matchup, Nick? said infuriating and I just started thinking about Justin Bean again. <laughs> he, he is the most punchable face besides uh, Drew Timmy, right? Yeah, I mean, I would put the, the Utah State Whites up there with the, the Gonzaga Whites. I mean, Chet and, and Drew Timmy are both pretty punchable bosses. They're so good. And that's nobody's fault. It's like good white players are historically the most hated archetype in college basketball. Yeah. When, when you're looking at Trevin Dorius's seven-foot Mormon white face scoring two points, like I hate that guy so much. <laughs> what I can only assume is Cameron Barstow's little brother. hate that guy's face so much. Steven Ashworth, who has the dumb, like, shaved side of his head looking haircut. <laughs> Stop looking at these people's picture. You're just going to make yourself angry, Nick. Brandon Horvath. Yeah, I really hate Utah State. I hate them a lot. Well, yeah, and I'm sure you're going to hate San Diego State a lot on Saturday. I mean, pull up a picture of uh, Matt Bradley. Like, is that face I, any better? I, I have watched San Diego State more times than I would like to admit this year. I don't know why I do this, because I know they're going to win every time I watch them. 
Um, so you're saying you shouldn't watch on Saturday? They're not like punchable, hateable. Though. They're frustrating. They just suffocate teams. If they were an animal, they'd be a python. Yes. Um, I think I, I sent you the screenshot. Rothstein was tweeting about this unbelievable story that is a Boise State 11 game. Uh, win streak. Uh, 11 game win streak. And immediately somebody in the comments was like, until they go to VAS where win streaks go to die. And all the Boise State fans were just like, yep, that's happening. <laughs> Like, I don't think there's a single Boise State fan. I mean, there's the obviously the super optimistic, like... Yeah, Nate, if you're listening right now, you are the exception. Um, Nate, dog, there, the Boise State super fan. But every other Boise State fan, and I have texted, like, seven people tonight this exact thing of, like, we're going to lose by 8,000 on Saturday. Yep. And we won't lose by a thousand because a thousand would be too easy. We won't we won't get something clean. It'll be death by a death by a thousand spoons. It will be a hard fought, gritty back and forth game where we turn it over late and they they put us in purgatory and then Shaver hits a three to cut it to, to three and and they hit a, a dagger three to put it away. It'll be something like that. It'll be Yeah, well, We'll lose by seven, but we'll be within one possession under a minute. Yeah, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be, this is what they do to us. San Diego State just has, look, as my brother went to North Carolina, I grew up a North Carolina fan. And if you're listening to this from Gamble Viver, you get an idol. But besides that, I I will never not hate Duke with, with my with the passion of a thousand burning suns. And the Duke players, I could name a list of a thousand, whether it's the, the traditional Duke white guys or even more the more modern Duke one and done players that are just all so hateable. But I have not been as frustrated with them. The general just brutality of these games against San Diego State and the game winners and the late turnovers, and the, oh, just, it's a it's a pain like I've never felt before. Like, the, the Dwayne Foley shot is, like, haunts my nightmares. I'm going to, I'm going to see that in my sleep tonight, tomorrow, and then once they beat us on Saturday. And I do want to say that when San Diego State beats us on Saturday, it is not a bad loss. This is on the road, our third game in fourth game in a calendar week that's really nuts against um, a really really good team like this isn't just like a good mountain west team yada yada like san diego state is like a legit like fantastic team that probably should be in the top 25 they're a legit fantastic team and the back-to-back uh the back-to-back road games of in Logan and in San Diego against really good Mountain West teams on a Thursday and a Saturday after having already played on Tuesday and the previous Saturday on the road as well with one home game in this four-game stretch in a week. Losing to San Diego State is not a bad loss. No matter basically what happens, 
unless they do what to us what they did to Colorado State, but basically no matter what it is, not a bad loss, it will frustrate the hell out of me no matter how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, won't be a bad loss no matter what, but would be – I don't – I'm, I'm going to over-exaggerate here because that's kind of my role on the pod. If we win, I think we're probably ranked next week. I think there's a yeah. good chance. I mean, if, if we win, this team is, is legit. I mean, first of all, it's going to get the, the AQ rub for the Mountain West in any sort of predictive measure. But then also, this is just a really good team. Yeah, they're receiving the 26th, 26th, the 29th most votes in the AP poll right now. Uh, 30, 30, my bad, I can't count. The 30th most votes in the AP poll right now. So, that's interesting that Colorado State is ranked above them in the coaches poll, though. And we are receiving one vote in the coaches poll, so. I'll take it. I'll take it. The conference is getting some respect, but we'll get some respect. Again, beat San Diego State, and and people will be talking. People are already talking, which is good for the like the bracket hopes. Because, I mean, the committee is human. Committee is going to be influenced by things they see and they hear. And, like, people talking about Boise State on Twitter. People, uh, John Rosenstein tweeting about us. That's going to make committee members tune in and watch our games. Like, that is only going to help Boise State. And, like, hopefully they hear about how we're undefeated since... Dutrieve uh, left. And that is something that the committee typically looks at, right? Yeah. What have you done for me lately? Was there an injury? Were you hot early in the year? We've, we've had that held against us in the past because we typically close the, the season poorly because that's what we do and we still probably will this year. But when you close the, the season out uh, poorly – that's going to be weighted heavier than what you did at the beginning of the year before everything has kind of gelled and, and you're not the exact team that you are in March. Yeah. I'm trying to – what? anything else about this team that you want to add? What what else is kind of sticking out to you? What do you else do you want to talk about? I really, really, really like Abu Kijab in the sort of role as the emotional leader of this team. Yeah, um, he's done a really good job of that. When I think coming into the year, people didn't know who that player was gonna be. He's really kind of stepped into that. Which, yeah, we talked about it early on about who's going to be the guy on this team, and it's been this guy by committee sort of measure, and we've seen it. We talked about we didn't know who's gonna take the shot late in the game. Well, that's Marcus Shaver. But who's going to be the guy that that's leading the huddle? That's going to be Abu Kijab. Who's going to be the guy that is uh, has the ball in his hands, making the play? Like that's going to be Emmanuel Acot. Yeah. Right. Like we have a lot of different. Sort of pieces that all all have these sort of leadership roles. This is a team that 
the only scene, only non-seniors that play are Tyson Degenhardt and Max Price. This is a very, very, very upperclassman team. And the benefit of that is guys that are leaders. It's guys that are not scared. It's guys that are really ready for the moment and and are mature. And again, that's one of the differences we've seen from this year. This year's team to teams past that those teams have collapsed and those teams have often gone on these late scoring crowds just because they get flustered and rattled and they make their free throws and they turn the ball over. Well, this team is mature and this team does play well late and they still can't make their free throws, but they're the team that's gone on these late game runs. You have Emmanuel Acott to hit a three that nobody saw because the Mountain West Network connection went offline. You have Marcus Shaver taking the game winner. You have these guys that are stepping up and, and doing it no matter how they perform throughout the game. And that I made the joke about the Deion Waiters quote, but Shaver and Acott to both shoot the ball pretty poorly and struggle offensively tonight. And to take those shots and to make those shots, that really says a lot about this team. For sure. And this team just feels different at points. And I don't know if it's just the high emotions and the win streak or what it is. But, like, we've mentioned it. Like, this team just wins games that we don't typically win. And it, teams that win don't necessarily win in pretty ways. And Boise State is getting these ugly wins that we just hadn't in the past. No, the, and, and the comparison to, to San Diego State, I think, is, in, is, a, is one that I've made. I think it's a common one right now with given this style of, of defensive-minded team that we, we are. And I think that's one of the reasons that always made playing San Diego State so frustrating is because they do put you through the grinder. And it, it's every game is a, a dogfight, and they still probably beat you. And it hurts much worse because of that. And we're kind of hitting that sort of thing where every game right now is we are making every team work for it. We are making guys that are, you know, whether it's your Grant Sherfield or whoever that are legit scoring threats, we are making them work for it. Yeah, and we, we are becoming that hateable team. And when you're cheering for that team, it's a lot more fun than cheering against that team. Like, when I was looking on Twitter after the game, I saw a lot of Utah State fans saying, like, I hate Boise State, like, screw this team. Like, like we are now that team that people just are going to be infuriated to play. A lot more fun to be on that end than the other end. It's also fun just seeing Utah State fans mad, not going to lie. It's fun to see Utah State players mad, too. Yeah. My favorite point in the game is when the announcer was yelling about the one and one Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And they made the shot anyway, which pissed me off. <laughs> I almost made it better because the announcer was just like, well, I have to shut up about it now. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, um, talking about, because I am a Ken Palm guy. Um, if I can pull it up here. Um, I want to say 
So our luck, which is, I don't know exactly how they measure luck. Uh, luck is measured by, like, loose balls. It's the non-quantifiable sort of basketball metrics. So how do balls bounce? Yes. Things like that. 207th worst luck in the country. So, I mean, to be on a 12-game win or 11-game win streak and have the uh, 207th worst luck in the country—that's encouraging. Um, I, I don't really have much else to say. I feel like we've hit most of the uh, nails on the head. Um, gonna be stressful checking brackets every single day. I was checking some of that were updated. Uh, yesterday or like the day before and we were like uh we were sliding for some reason so i'm hoping this win bounces us back up but any closing thoughts what a win man i was i was jumping on my bed screaming marcus shaver at the top of my lungs and i'm a grown man that has no shame in this I, I was my biggest freakout since Alexis Williams half court buzzer beater. I was at work with my reporter sitting next to me, and I like just like yell, like jumped and yelled and like ran around the office. My reporter probably thought I was crazy, but um, yeah. I mean, shout out Lex, shout out Alexis Williams who's on the coaching staff. Um, yeah, is it, just like I remember hugging each other at Big Al's <laughs> in Meridian during that one. Ah. Uh, what a moment. Um, and you said, I talked to you on the phone as soon as the game ended. You said this is the biggest shot in Boise State history. Um, it is not, but it's a fun one. And it's a nice, it's on the short list of like best individual shots, individual moments that I can think of. And that Lexus Williams game winner is up there. And there's a, a few other. Derek Marks had a couple of late game shots that, that are right there. And. This is one of them. This is a historic, like, and we'll see what happens, but this is a potential season-changing historic Boise State basketball moment. I mean, this is this goes on the end of the year one shining moment video for, for Boise State, and if, if we make the, the field of 64, if we make the field of 64 as an at-large bid for the first time in program history, this is going to be a shot that look at and there's going to be a direct correlation between any sort of success we have getting to the postseason and this shot all right i'd like to close this out because we've been way too optimistic this uh pod um so to reverse the jinx we are probably going to finish we're probably going to lose like five games straight here and just can be oh, yeah. completely off the bubble in five games so i just want to put I mean, that into the universe our next three games in the, in the next eight days we play at San Diego State, which is a definite loss. Home against Wyoming, that's a good Wyoming team. You know, probably a loss. And then at Fresno State, and that's probably a loss. Yeah. So. And then we're off the bubble, and we don't. We just have to worry about winning the conference tournament when that happens. Yep. All right. Well, like we said earlier, if you're from Gamble Viver and you're listening, you now have an idol. Just tag a host and your submissions, and we will uh, put the timestamp of when we first mentioned it. And we'll get you your idol. And thanks for listening. And this has been Dunkin' Donuts, a Boise State basketball podcast. Go Broncos.